Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. No, no. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. And you like to have fun, right? Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. Welcome to the Gut Check Project. I'm your host, Eric Rieger, joined by this gentleman, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Ken, what's going on today? Oh, we've got a really cool one. So I've got a little bit of star-struckedness, I think the word is, because <laughs> we have Tracy Edmonds on the show today, who is an accomplished businesswoman, producer, and entrepreneur who has made her mark in the entertainment world. She is currently the CEO of Edmonds Entertainment Group, and allrightnow.com, and the hostess of the All Right Now podcast, which I had the pleasure of being on. So, Yes, and you rocked it, by the way. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, welcome to the Gut Check Project. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talk about whatever we're going to talk about today. So our last chat that you and I had, Kenneth, was, was awesome. And so I'm looking forward to more today. That was a whole lot of... Science talk and my wheelhouse microbiome. What I'm most fascinated about you is trying to figure out how to do your bio. Everywhere I looked was like four pages. I'm like, I can't go on for the first 20 minutes talking about everything that she has done. So I've had a pretty crazy life, you guys, with lots of different chapters. <laughs> I'm about to enter a new one, which we'll we'll probably talk about in the in the next podcast. But yeah, I've had a crazy life. And you know, like you guys, I've always been interested in health, even though I'm a television and film producer by trade. I've always been fascinated with health and especially with natural health. And so, um, you know, so yes, I, I went from being a TV and film producer to launching a website called All Right Now, which is all about living your best life and healthy lifestyles to now, like you said, kind of, you know, having this podcast All Right Now, where we're going to be talking about health issues and uh, anti-aging remedies and all kinds of very, very cool stuff. But you know, um, I actually thought I was going to be a doctor before I end up being a TV and film producer. So I've got a long-winded story, but that's my story. I would like to hear the long-winded story. I think it's super <laughs> fascinating. Well, just to add a little bit, you guys, um, I actually um, went to college to be a doctor. And so I studied pre-medicine at Stanford, and I was a psychobiology uh, major interested in like mental health originally, but that kind of gave me my nerdy background, which started this whole health journey that, that I'm on. I never went to medical school, unfortunately. I ended up switching gears and becoming um, a producer instead, was, <laughs> but I still love my medicine. Well, absolutely. Did you not, I, I'm just wondering if you didn't get into medical school because your undergraduate was such a bad college that it didn't uh, get you in. <laughs> I never applied, <laughs> I, you but said, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I, I wouldn't have been as smart as you though. Like, you know, I don't know if I would have finished. I just, I'm, I'm at that age where my kids, I've got an 18 year old and a 16 year old girl and we just, they both play tennis and everybody wants to go to Stanford. Like these girls oh, have a chance oh, really? to go. I wasn't expecting you to say that. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think it is like the most competitive 
thing. That's why when you said Stanford, you're like, yeah, I went to Stanford. Like it was a community college. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I went to Stanford and studied psychobiology. Like that is dope. Yeah, that is. I, I'm a super nerd at heart. And that's the part of me that most people don't know. But, you know, the more I kind of, you know, do the podcast work and the website work, you're going to soon discover that I'm quite nerdy. That's awesome. So getting into health is not a small undertaking anymore. It's not like the world from 200 years ago and, and before where people just ate and they were able to eat foods and not have to worry about how much they were eating. There were far other things, you know, many, many other things for them to worry about. So from your hometown to going to Stanford and then getting into what I would say is a very, very busy, time-consuming, lots of heavy thought, lots of heavy decisions kind of career, how did you start off by balancing your health in order to get the most out of what did you what you needed in your career and your family, et cetera? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. My health journey started right around the age 25. And so um, so when I grew up, I was really, I was blessed because I was really lanky and thin and never really had to worry about what I watching what I ate. And I at that time, and when I'm in my teen years and my early 20 years, all I care about is like, does my weight look okay? And so I'm not, I hadn't discovered, even though I had, you know, gone to college and everything, I hadn't really discovered how important what you put into your body is for the functioning of your body uh, to prevent serious illness, you know, so it's not just about looking good, it's about like staying healthy. And so I didn't realize that until I was 25 and what in my aha moment was sadly my father had to have quadruple bypass heart surgery. And so all of his arteries were clogged. And so, um, and he barely, barely made it through. And so I started asking the doctor, well, what, what exactly, you know, do you think caused that? And so he started talking to me about, you know, well, cholesterol levels and, you know, eating the wrong foods and all that kind of stuff. And so me seeing what my father went through made me start then digging into, you know, how important, you know, a healthy eating is and things to prevent cancer, things to prevent different diseases, things that, you know, you should supplement your body with all that kind of stuff. So it started at 25. And so I've just been, you know, researching, I mean, every day, really, I wake up in the morning, you know, an hour or so before I have to get my work work started. And I'm just online, you know, reading articles about health and wellness and, and things like that, and implementing all of those, you know, important things into my lifestyle now. It's pretty wild that you started off by saying that your inspiration, or I guess the jolt came from the fact that your dad was suffering and he had to go and, and have the, you know, a cabbage or, or a bypass. And we just had uh, a guest on not long ago named uh, Ollie Matthews. And he spends uh, most of his time as a functional medicine doctor out of Britain, counseling uh, high energy entrepreneurs on how to always mind their health. And his journey started because he lost his father when he was 15 and the oh, wow. signs that he went through. And so I just, I love these drawing these parallels because for you to have intercepted at the age of 25, that you needed to do something different with your health is not, unfortunately, it's just not typical. Well, what's really fascinating is that looking at your career and all the things that you have done and the podcast that we did was he deals with people with burnout, entrepreneurs that push themselves and push themselves oh. at the expense of their health. 
And interesting that you start focusing on your health and then became this huge entrepreneur, which uh, wonder if you could have done that without focusing on your health early and you would have suffered like many of his clients. Wow. You know what? I have never thought about that, you know, and, and could be because, um, anybody that's around me and I just have to give it to God and just, you know, praise God, I don't get sick. And so, um, that started literally at age 25. I can't remember the last time I had a cold or a flu. It had to have been in my early twenties. And so, and, you know, I don't want to tempt fate, <laughs> but you know, I've, I've been on, yeah, I travel a lot. I'm on a million airplanes. I can be sitting next to someone coughing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I've just been very, very blessed that um, I've built my immune system to where it's in, you know, what I consider a pretty good place that it is like fighting off, you know, whatever there is, you know, and I'm, I'm just trying to keep feeding my body with good stuff and exercising and living a clean lifestyle so that I can continue, you know, being healthy. And also too, to your point, um, Kenneth, um, just really eating right helps give you energy. And so I go a mile a minute cause I'm, you know, producing films and TV shows and developing stuff and doing podcasts. And I've got two sons in their early twenties and they still keep me busy. They're actually in town right now. So, um, so just lots of things going on that, you know, and I need to kind of keep my health up and keep my energy up because I don't have time to just kind of sleep and, and feel lazy. I, I got stuff I got to do. So well, I'm sorry, Kim, but you're, you're 25. What's the first change that you made? What, like, so you're like, okay, my dad's going through this. Uh, yeah. What was it? Did you look at your diet? Did you look at your exercise routine? Did you look at all of it? Where did you, where did you start? I looked at all of it. And so I, again, I just started reading and reading and reading and then talking to different doctors about, you know, what, what do you think is the best, you know, the healthiest cardio exercise and is walking better than running and, you know, all of those kind of questions in addition to, you know, obviously learning what not to eat. And so at 25, the first thing that I stopped that I was like doing so much of and, you know, typical early twenties is the fast food, you know, so I cut out all the fast food and uh, tried to cut out all the fried foods. Now, every now and then, you know, we're all going to cheat. You know, and if it's like if you're at the airport and there's nothing healthy, <laughs> you might grab something from McDonald's. These days, oh. you might try to do a grilled chicken or something. <laughs> but you know, every now and then, you you just have to. You don't so, strike but, me as a McDonald. You don't strike me as a McDonald's person. I'm just I can't I, even really visualize not, it. But I, you know, <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> but yeah, eliminating the fast foods, all of uh, the sodas, you know, all the sweet drinks. You know, all of those pr processed foods, you know, anything that I could eliminate that had, you know, artificial this or artificial that and, you know, preservatives and all that kind of stuff, I immediately, you know, left, you know, just took, you know, put it to the side and stop doing that. Now, what I did notice is that, and I think, I think by nature, I think I have a very sensitive stomach. And so I remember like when I was in, you know, I was very competitive when I was in, in school. And so like, you know, if it's like, 
you know, midterm time or like finals time, all of a sudden, like I could feel, I literally felt my stomach hurting a lot, you know? So I, and I didn't even know, but like early on, I was starting to give myself an ulcer, you know, Mm. from just like stressing, you know, too much and, and not knowing that the stress is actually going into my stomach. And so finally, when, you know, I went to the doctor and they told me that I was like, oh my God, I got to stop that too. (laughs) I can't, I can't be stressing and, you know, causing my own ulcer to happen. So, um, so then I started also to, you know, learning to kind of, you know, do things to help me relax so that I balanced, you know, like a hardcore lifestyle with, you know, with play and exercise and walking and getting out into nature and yoga and Pilates and all those kind of things that help me balance things and help get that stress, you know, out of my system. And so, so that's a long uh, answer to your story, but I, I end up, I mean, to your question, but I end up implementing all of those things so that I can try to have a, a balanced lifestyle. That is, that's fascinating because that uh, being that mature at 25 to make those lifestyle changes when nobody else around you probably is, when you, as soon as you said that you have not been sick since prior to that, so around 25 on, you have not been sick, that tells me that your immune system is at peak performance, both in the way that it, the the way that it fights things, but also it's inflammation that creates disease. So it's the inflammatory process. Aging is inflammaging now. That's the new term. If you can control inflammation. So you you put yourself on an anti-aging lifestyle at 25. Yeah. Yeah, I I really did. And um, I mean, it it seems to be at least working on the health issues so far. You know, I get my annual physicals and, you know, they take a lot of blood. And, you know, we look at my blood just to kind of see what all my levels are at. Do I have enough of this? You know, do I have enough of that? Is there something that looks, you know, out of whack? And so I have a very extensive um, physical every year. And so again, knock on wood, because of the lifestyle that I'm leading and the supplements that I'm taking, like everything as of now looks, looks really good. I don't think it can be overstated, though, and you pointed it out, Ken, that at the age of 25 to make that kind of change, number one, it's a big commitment because more than likely most of your peers that you knew and grew up with or went to school with, that's not where their head's at. You had right. you had someone that kind of, that you loved, that kind of uh, pushed you in that direction to search for something better. And yeah. to trim out uh, fast food when you when you don't make a lot of money. Or you come from a town that doesn't happen to have a bunch of the different options and you don't garden for yourself. It's very difficult to know how to navigate your way out of that. And sometimes when it's just as inexpensive to buy a Coke as it is, you know, to to buy a water, none of this stuff adds up and makes sense. I just love the fact that you have that kind of story. And I think that going forward, it could be an inspiration for other younger people. And you even mentioned your sons in their early 20s now. They can see that you built your success by taking care of your health first. I think it's critically important. Well, well, thank you so much. I was going to just kind of joke a little bit because um, I've got two sons. The oldest and the youngest could not be more different. (laughs) (laughs) They were both raised exactly alike experience every single thing exactly like same, same teachers, you know, everything, same vacation, same mother. And one of them is all about health. And one of them isn't. <laughs> so, 
One of them is still like McDonald's and Burger King and Del Taco. And, you know, but to your point, he's still in his 20s. And like you said, most, you know, kids in their 20s, it's going to be hard, you know, to get them to adopt a healthy lifestyle. But I'm trying. Uh, I've got two in their 20s now. I know exactly what you're talking about. So. Yeah. So is this is this that next stage that you were talking about? Like, is this, are you going to go all in on the health aspect now at the next stage of your career? Well, definitely. Yeah, definitely a lot deeper. And so um, right now, you guys, I'm sure you, you may know um, my industry is actually going through a strike. And so we have that WGA strike, the SAG after strike going on. And so that actually halts, you know, a lot of our productions, especially oh. mine. And so, um, you know, we don't know how long that's going to go on for, um, you know, I pray that it ends soon, but there's a chance it could go into December or January, which stops again, all of my productions. So I'm going to just use this time wisely and really kind of just explore something that I love anyway, is really just diving deeper into the health and wellness side of my life. And we're shooting YouTube videos out here and doing podcasts and I'm writing articles and stuff. And so all of the, the nerdy stuff that I actually love talking about anyway, I'm going to do that for the next couple of months during the strike and hopefully even past that, just keep it going. As a producer, whenever you had, I mean, cause you've got a bunch of different things from television to, and movies that you've produced, but um, have you found conversations with younger actors or, or stage hands, or, or I don't even know all the vernacular, but everyone who assists with the production and gotten into conversations who, for people who are younger and they happen to ask you about health and, and were you able to share your story with them and kind of guide them in that way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with, with the young ladies that I work with, you know, whether in front of the camera or behind the camera, you know, a lot of times when you're in between takes or they're setting up the next scene and you're sitting around and you're just like talking about life and talking about whatever, um, a lot of the ladies, you know, want to know like, okay, what can I do now to start slowing down? Everyone's, you know, which I, I get it. Everyone's concerned about the visual you know, also. And when you're in, in the career, you know, an acting career in Hollywood, you got to start figuring out, you know, early, like, what can I do to slow the aging down so I can keep looking good and being cast and leading roles and, and, and all that. So we, we talk a lot about that, you know, in between takes and stuff. And, you know, I share with them some of the things that, that I've learned that has really worked for me, you know, so we, we talk a lot about that, you know, skin, hair, belly, all that kind of stuff. So just to back it up a little bit, when you graduated from Stanford, was there a particular pop-off moment that you really exploded at one time, or did you go through different grinds till you really kind of was able to launch yourself as this entrepreneur? Well, uh, immediately after Stanford, by the way, I was a I was a scholarship student, and so my scholarship covered everything except for things like books. You know, if you want to go eat, you know, if you. <laughs> If you want to do anything extracurricular or whatever. And so um, my parents were not wealthy. And so when I was in college, I had to work two jobs. You know, a lot of times I was waiting tables. I was working in the financial financial aids department. So I was like trying to like, you know, generate money however I could to cover the books and, and all that kind of stuff. And so what it did, and then I also had a couple student loans. And so when I graduated, 
I thought I was going to take a gap year or something before I applied to med school so that I could just get caught up on bills and, and things like that. And so, um, while I was taking that gap year was when I just kind of decided, Hey, I don't think I want to go back to school. I think I want to be an entrepreneur. And during that gap year, um, I was doing something completely different. I was selling real estate. And so (laughs) I got my broker's license and started selling homes in Newport beach and um, and I made pretty good money. I learned how to market myself and called myself the waterfront specialist, you know, <laughs> <That's kinda cool. laughs> all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I made some good money and um, that just kind of kicked off the whole, the whole entrepreneur side of my life. But the, obviously, you know, there's something that happened, you know, that was probably ordained by God, um, to swing me over into TV and film. And, um, for me, that was meeting my ex-husband. And so who was someone that was in the industry and, uh, he was a singer, songwriter, producer doing music. And so, um, so you had this kind of real estate agent (laughs) that met, this music producer and singer and songwriter and Grammy award winning artist and stuff. And so that kind of pulled me away from real estate um, and moved me into music and, and all of that. Do you sing yourself? No, not at all. I wish I did. Like I, I, a lot of times we're playing karaoke and I just feel like in my spirit, I can get that right voice and then it comes out and disappoints. <laughs> I think I think I think that's most people. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to stop this particular podcast for a special invitation. This invitation is to join the Gut Check Project Raw Locals community. We all are tired of the bullshit where we turn for great information, who we can trust, and essentially, we want to put a stop to that. There's a lot of bullshit out there, and I know about that because I'm a butt doctor. We're here to build this community to bring trust back to you. There is a lot of shit out there. There's a lot of stuff being censored and it stops here with our community. And I'm a gas passer, which means I put this guy's patience to sleep. I know that you don't want to be filled up with any hot air. Ultimately, we want you to connect with us. Ask us questions. Let's build a community around trust. No more bullshit. So if you're watching or listening on Rumble, click that red join button in the bottom right over here and that will take you directly to GCP Raw. We're super excited for you to join. I mean, seriously, it's going to be pretty cool. I want to ask you a question you've probably been asked a billion times, but the story behind producing Soul Food. Yeah. So was that, in, oh. was, was that easy to get it done? Like, how, how did that take place? Because that is a classic Yes, it movie. is. I mean. Oh, you know what? I'm so happy that you guys even know Soul Food. <laughs> oh, I'm telling That's you, awesome. when I went on your podcast, Everyone that we work, we work with nurses and techs and, you know, we have lots of people. Uh-huh. They were, the first thing they brought up, they're like, soul food. No way. I'm like, yeah. I, so, I, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, that makes me happy. Um, so, okay. That story is, okay. I'm gonna try to give you guys the abridged versions of things. Cause it's, you know, a lot of stuff that happened in my life. <laughs> so I, you know, meet my ex-husband, he's in music. I, again, my nerdy self, I start like learning about the the business side of, of, of the music business and how does publishing work and how do royalties work and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, so I ended up going into entertainment by being a music publisher. And so I end up signing uh, songwriters 
And because I had met so many different artists through my ex-husband, I could now say, hey, you know, boys to men, I've got a song that would be great. You know, hey, you know, Diana Ross, you know, it was, you know, so I ended up signing these writers and I was like, you know, their way to get on all these projects and stuff. And so then I built a publishing company that became a record label. And then I started music supervising and doing soundtracks and things like that. And then the soundtracks moved me into becoming a film producer when I got the first script for Soul Food and they wanted me to be the music supervisor and do the soundtrack. And I was like, no, I want to produce this. And so um, so they let me actually produce the movie. And so that was my first movie. So I did the soundtrack and then I um, put together the cast and, you know, and produced oh. the movie. Okay. Yeah. So as the producer, you put together the cast also. Yeah. Now it's, I mean, a lot of times people do things differently, but this was a script that a lot of um, studios had turned down because back in like 95, 94 studios weren't really doing black family dramas. You know, they were kind of, unfortunately doing the more like you know, hood movies and like drug dealing movies and, you know, and things like that. So it was challenging to get it set up initially. So then what I decided to do was attach cast to it so that I can be like, oh, but we have Vanessa Williams, oh, you know, okay. we have Vivica Fox, you know, we have Neil Long. And, and so, um, and I had relationships with, um, with the cast. And so I just kind of like personally called my friends. They were like my friends and said, Hey, you know, Vanessa, I think, you know, you'd be great for this role and, you know, this movie I'm producing, can I send you the script? And so that's kind of how it happened. That's great. Yeah. I remember watching that when I was, still, I was still in Lubbock when that movie came out. It was great. So, oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> What's on hold for you right now? Then I didn't realize that you were still doing active uh, filming and producing and stuff. So what yeah. what are you working on so prior do, to the um, I make reality shows and I make scripted shows and scripted movies and stuff. And so one of the first things, surprisingly, that got put on hold is I do um, a reality show for BET. It's called College Hill, the Celebrity Edition. So what that is is we take eight celebrities. And we send them to college. And so, <laughs> so, and these are like, you know, people that have either never gone to college or maybe took a few classes and dropped out, you know, or whatever. And so, um, so we've already uh, aired two seasons and we were about to go into a season three and start shooting September. And they put us on hold because, you know, some of the celebrities we were casting, you know, would have been, you know, guild members and, and stuff. And so, oh. so that's on hold. Um, and then I've got a, a couple of scripted series and another movie that's on hold too. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But I do have one movie that um, I do want to just let you guys know, cause it's going to air next month and I don't have the exact date yet, but I can update you with it, but it's called wake W A K E. Uh -huh. And it is a, thriller it's going to air on BET and I'm super proud of it it's all about the world of narcolepsy oh whoa really how in yeah, the I'm world you... I'm just curious how in the world did you get involved with this there's um there's a guy named Daryl Quarles who's an amazing writer who I've known for years Daryl wrote do you guys remember a movie called Big Mama's House with Martin Lawrence sure do yeah <laughs> 
cool. So he, he wrote that movie. And so he and I have been friends for years and he gave me this script um, that is a really diabolical thriller, but it had a really interesting twist to it and that the lead character, you know, suffers from narcolepsy, which is something, and I'm sure there have been movies. I just haven't seen a movie that explores that world and how scary that world is. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you know, this is our character is a brilliant MIT professor you know, female, um, but she suffers from narcolepsy and can't leave her home, you know, because if she leaves her home, she could literally fall asleep, you know, at any minute. And, you know, some cases, and we did a lot of research for this movie, but some cases are just really severe where, I mean, you, you can just kind of like pass out, you know, at any time. So it just causes you not to be able to, to be out of touch, you know, with the world outside of your house for a lot of people that can't leave. I'm, do you know anybody with narcolepsy? I do not know anybody. I don't either. Me either. Yeah. yeah, I don't either. I want. I don't know what the incidence is, but you hear about it, and I mean, I don't know. It just seems like it would be terrifying to truly have an issue where you would just randomly fall asleep or not be able to finish right. a task because you can't. Yeah. Concentrate. I had a friend's brother who um, found out that you could get amphetamines if you had narcolepsy, and he went to. Kid you not, like this is almost like a, a parody. He went to multiple doctors and would fall asleep in front of the doctor in mid conversation. And you know, he didn't he didn't have narcolepsy, he just wanted the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you, I cannot believe I'm listening to the story and I can't believe that you're telling me this story. You know why? What? Because I had a relative that did the same thing. No. <laughs> yeah. Does he know Ken? I don't know what he did to get it, but he he admitted that what he was taking was for narcolepsy. And I guess. It gives you a high or or something. I, I, I don't even know what the effect is. I think it's I, I think it's a stimulant. Actually, I think it's this is pre ADHD meds. It's probably the exact same thing that we're yeah. using for, oh, for Ritalin sure. and things like that. You know, yeah, because it's just a stimulant. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so did he try and fake it also at the doctor or? I don't know. I never asked him what he did um, to to get it. But um, he's a type of guy that always took a bunch of stuff. And so one time I saw him taking a bunch of stuff and I said, oh, what is that for? And he's like, well, actually it's prescribed for narcolepsy. But, you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's not good. (laughs) It's not good on the heart. You you brought up a topic earlier when you said that in the 90s that they weren't necessarily making uh, movies that were geared or or typically starred. Uh, you know, black actors, unless it happened to be, I'm, I'm assuming you were referring to Boys in the Hood or different things like that. Yes, exactly. Uh, Minister <clears throat> Society, which were all great movies. Sure. It's just, that's the subject matter that they were just trying to focus on during that time period. Totally agree. It, it was almost like that they, there was, it was just the same genre over and over again, which didn't yes. make sense because there's certainly a diversity of stories that can be told for any people. Absolutely. I mean, why in the world only get stuck with that? So let me ask you from a, from a different perspective, since we're talking health and you uh, approached uh, a change in the way that people uh, saw movies that had black actors in it. What do you think is the difference when, I mean, Ken and I see patients of, of all race and color, but sometimes we wonder if we're meeting everybody at the same intersection of what it is that we do, since we do talk about gut health, since we do talk about uh, microbiome, since we do talk about choosing whole foods over fast food. What do you think possibly for the, for certain areas of, of black consumption and food and stuff like that is different or a challenge 
on the whole, and it can't be for everybody, but just on the whole, is there, is there a different way, a different genre to, to connect with like that? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the fundamental problem is not having information, you know, and not being exposed to alternatives, which are healthy alternatives. Like when you're growing up in an impoverished neighborhood or the hood or, you know, whatever you want to call it, and you and, and you drive through like you just see fast food after fast food after fast food places, you know, on every corner. You see fried chicken places, you know, on every corner and all of their menu offerings are unhealthy. And so that's been your whole lifestyle growing up. That's all you've known, you know, and so you just don't know any better. And like I said, and then sometimes you get tricked because, you know, if you're not getting fat, you're just like, oh, I'm good. You know, I can, I can eat whatever I want to because, you know, my body looks good, you know, whatever. And so you're not being informed that, yeah, even though you look good right now, you don't know what's going on inside your body and you're doing things to damage your body that, you know, you're going to suffer the consequences from, you know, the older you get, nobody's telling them that. So I think we need more voices. I totally agree with you. I'm really glad that you went that direction. I I grew up in a small town and I would say relative compared to everything else, uh, probably more poor than most. And I mean, and that included being my family would say they were poor, but nobody was wealthy necessarily. And I saw over time, the influences in our town changed from when I was really young, there was lots of locally owned restaurants, but there was still, everybody's still had gardens, you know, there were still gardens around. Oh, wow. And then Where did you grow up? I have to pause and just ask that quick question. Far North Texas. I mean, is it okay. Gainesville, very small town, but, okay. um, but in that town, then over time you just started seeing, I, I remember when the first Domino's pizza showed up and then suddenly, you know, the, the McDonald's one, one day had, had a playground and, and then we got a Wendy's. I, I can still remember the installation of all of these different franchises. And then if I were to go from the 70s when they weren't there to now, I've seen everybody in my hometown, white, black, uh, Mexican, Hispanic, et cetera. They've all, the, the bodies have gotten wider and the education and the knowledge around it is what's missing. I'm so glad you said that because I don't think it necessarily discriminates the lack of information to penetrate to help people is really the problem. You are so accurate on that. And, and it's funny because I do a lot of traveling in my business and production. And even in my personal life, I've spent time in, you know, and, and long periods of time in different cities and had a chance to kind of like really watch the culture and stuff. And, you know, I can tell you, I mean, even like, you know, we're talking about all the fast food, but especially like in the South and a lot of impoverished neighborhoods and stuff, you know, Everybody, if you're not drinking soda, you're drinking sweet tea. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I'm sure you guys know what sweet tea is. I mean, that's like tea with so much sugar. Like I can't, I mean, like if I even, t- if a drop of it hits my tongue and I, you know, I can feel, <laughs> I can feel how much sugar is in there. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys are drinking this every day. Oh my gosh. You know, but that's just how they grew up and that's all they've known and stuff. So, yeah, we got to get into these schools and into these churches and really, you know, uh, share information about what people should be doing to help their bodies and keep themselves from getting diabetes and cancer and, and all those issues. You know, if you look at that, 
if you look at the country and where there is a propensity for all the all the chronic issues, diabetes, high blood pressure, all that stuff. And when you see that they are highly concentrated in what you can overlay a map of where food deserts are, and what you're describing is a food desert now, that's where your only options are the convenience store or the McDonald's because you're not, you don't have a car to drive to the, to the next city or whatever. Yeah. And so what's fascinating is that if we wanted to sit there and decrease the healthcare burden, um, then one of the things we could do is put money in resolving some of these food deserts in whatever yes. way, but have federal funding to help do some of that. Just by putting yes. in some real food, you could kind of curb that whole process. I can still remember in Gainesville when I was growing up, we had, I think, four butcher shops. I mean, these were fresh meat butchers, right? I oh mean, my gosh, I remember that you know, growing up too. I've Yeah. And even our grocery stores. See them anymore. The yeah. grocery stores even had live butchers in them. I mean, Walmart, when Walmart first had introduced food in the grocery store to compete with all the other grocery stores, they had... They had a live butcher in there. And then over time, we've just seen everything systematically become centralized and packed somewhere else. And who knows what they're packing it with? Who knows what they're dousing on there? It's just not fresh food, you know? Yeah, you are so right. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny that you said, I hadn't even thought of a butcher store in years, but I remember my grandmother used to go and get all of her meats <laughs> from the butcher store. And I just... So cute now, because now everybody, like you said, they go to Walmart or wherever, you know, but it's, you know, those were the the sweet, innocent days. Oh, yeah. 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 They they were. And, you know, I and there's a lot of folks who are getting into either regenerative farming or learning how to just create their own, uh, you know, growing their own gardens at home. And that yes. kind of return gives you control over your food, it gives you control yes. over your food choices. Uh, I love talking to you guys because you guys like speak my language. So if you were to look out my my window right now, you're going to see my little garden out there. <laughs> what, so, what all do you have? I am like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? What all do you have out there? What, oh, I'm losing. Oh, uh, what all? Uh, oh, there we go. I'm now sorry. I can hear you. What all, what all do you have out there growing in, in your gardens? Or what do you? Okay. Grow? So I've been, this is a completely new journey for me. So I'm learning how to garden. So we've had a few harvests already. And so we had uh, sweet potatoes and we did really well with that. Um, we had kale, we had collard greens, did really well with all of those. Um, we're doing uh, butternut squash and one other kind of squash right now, doing well with those. We we did some corn, but the corn didn't get very big. So I don't know what we did wrong. We got we to figure that out. Um, our eggplant is doing great. Like we've grown zucchini out here. There's just something about the soil out here in Hilton Head, South Carolina, where it's almost like anything we put, it just, I mean, it grows. Like we have this gigantic thing of lemongrass, you know, and I've got like a whole herb garden full of like peppers, every kind of pepper you can think of. And the herbs are just growing like crazy. That's and so awesome. it's it's a good climate to grow stuff out here. But I, I agree with you. I'm a little prepper out here. So... <laughs> <laughs> I want my own food supply. Heck yeah, no, that's great. Eric and I got in this. Um, there's right now what we're seeing is that a lot of Americans are deficient in certain things. One of the most common ones, besides vitamin D, is magnesium. Yeah. And then you brought up the fact he goes, we should look at whether our food sources have less magnesium than they used to. In other words, you just taught you just brought up the soil. Like, does that soil basically make those vegetables? healthier or the way they're supposed to be. And the way that we're doing it the other way, we're stripping it because the soil itself has lost some of those key nutrients like magnesium. 
You, you are so right. And that would be such a fascinating study to just kind of really compare soils and see, you know, why things are working better, you know, in certain areas. And, and it's not always just about the, the climate, you know, or whatever. I think it's a lot about what you just said, the soil. I have a farming question for you because the few Ooh. times in my life when <laughs> I've tried to do a little backyard, um, some sort of try to grow something, <laughs> <laughs> rabbits. The rabbits just destroy everything. I can't. I can't I've grow seen a rabbit anything. out here. There might be some rabbits. You know, we get we get these little crab things, and so there are these little tiny like brown crabs that I have to watch out for that seem to attack the the vegetables and the fruit sometimes. Uh, that that's our problem out here. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if you being on the island because you, you're on an island, right, Hilton Head. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they. I wonder if rabbits just aren't big on getting on ferries and going over to an island. You think that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't there know. must be a problem because I have yet to see a single rabbit out here. So I, I don't I don't know if we have rabbits. <laughs> thank God I haven't seen a single crocodile. And I know we have that too. Oh, <laughs> do you really? I haven't seen those. Yeah. <laughs> I heard crocodile love squash. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Oh, no. <laughs> don't start that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of vegan Crocs. It's a whole new movement going on right now. These Crocs are going vegan, so <laughs> yeah, they're trying to hunt little little vegetable gardens. Well, uh, Tracy, I don't know what your plans are for creating uh, content beyond once. And you mentioned earlier that the strike's going on, but if you ever wanted to do something in and around health, or I mean, that would just be you. You look fantastic. I just feel like you've got such yeah. an amazing story, and it would be cool to see a way to re-educate people that you're in control of your health. And there's going to be lots of times people are just ch simply trying to sell you foods and they're more interested in the sale than they are the quality of what it is that they're putting in the package. And yeah, I'm so right. Absolutely. feels like yeah. you would, it would be, it would be fun to see a project like that. So I yeah, I definitely want to do that. And um, like I said, now that I've got this kind of downtime, I'm going to just try to use it to because, you know, I enjoy talking to people like you and I enjoy talking to young people and sharing all this information with them. I had um, I have a, an amazing medical doctor. He's got an MD out here, um, but he specializes also too in natural medicine and, and preventative, you know, medicine and supplementing and all that kind of stuff. And so my youngest is in town. He's almost done with this summer break. And so I took him over to get an annual physical and stuff and introduced him to the doctor. And the doctor sat down with him and told him all this stuff about what to eat and what not to eat and showed him research and all kind of stuff. But he left with kind of like an eye-opening you know, reaction like, oh, mom, even though you always said that, like, I didn't really know. I was like, okay, yeah, you took the information from him, but you wouldn't take it from me. But whoever can connect and, and, and reach someone. I'll give you a resource. I don't mind everybody else hearing it also, but uh, Dr. Kate, D-R-C-A-T-E.com. Uh, 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 she's got a great resource on why certain foods uh, won't produce an inflammatory response and why you should avoid others. And it just really just kind of breaks it down into normal language so that anybody, any age can read it and say, this is why I want to avoid, or this is why I want to seek these types of food. She does, uh, she does an awesome job. Oh, that sounds great. I'm going to check her out. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm Very cool. still have not gotten through all right There's a lot of good material there. So when I finally finish all right now.com, then I can move on to another website. 
<laughs> Thank you, Kim, for I, making so me feel terrible. I'm, I'm proud <laughs> and, and honored that you're on our All Right Now website. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, get your, I get your newsletter. Oh, I even signed up awesome. for that. Yeah. Thank I, you. I have to laugh. Thank you so much for telling us your journey to get here because since, well, at the start of college where you carried two jobs, then coming out and hustling homes as the waterfront <laughs> real estate expert, what was it? I, I was a real estate, it's called real estate broker. I was a broker. broker. So I was, I was actually selling homes and then financing them and like helping get the, the loans and stuff done too. And then we heard about a bunch more jobs involving music and this <laughs> and that. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because just now you're like, now that I have this downtime for like the first time in my entire life, I'm not doing like 12 jobs because of the strike. You're like, I'll start a couple more. Companies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, it's stuff that I, I love doing. So it doesn't feel like work all the time. So I, I think I'm in my purpose. Like when I, you know, when I do stuff and it just feels fun, you know, then I think I'm in my purpose. And so with the health and wellness stuff, like sharing information, I think I'm in my purpose with that. That's I awesome. love it. I love it. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us on the Gut Check Project. Uh, let everybody know again, once, once, uh, once again, uh, how to connect with you and things that they should yeah. check out and the, uh, yeah, the I'm, uh, first of all, and thank you guys too. This has been a joy talking to you. I hope we can do this again and again. And for those of you that want to find me on social media, I am at Tracy E Edmonds. So at T R A C E Y E. E-D-M-O-N-D-S. And that's my handle on Twitter and think uh, IG and Facebook and, and all that. And then you can also find my All Right Now website, which is all about healthy living and lifestyles. That is A-L-R-I-G-H-T-N-O-W.com. And then my newest launch is for my YouTube channel. And so that is the Tracy E. TV channel. And so, um, so you can, if you Google Tracy E channel, it'll pull up, but it's uh, Tracy E TV. And on that channel, we are having the all right now podcast where we're talking all about healthy living. And then we're also doing something fun, which is my low country living series, which is really me chronicling my new life out here in Hilton head and being a city girl that moved to a small town and all the things that I'm learning. And so I'm sharing everything with everybody chasing crocodiles out of your garden that's going to be cool to see <laughs> and dealing with crabs <laughs> that's right itty bitty crabs well we'll have all of those links in the show notes ken anything no that else? was great tracy thank you so much for taking the time to join us i thought uh, maybe you'd have downtime but no you just keep doing more and more and more that's awesome oh thank you so much it's been a joy you guys have a great uh, weekend i guess we're almost at the weekend getting close anyway yeah getting really close Take that's, care, you guys. That's going to do it for Bye, this Tracy. episode. Thank you all very much. That's a wrap for this episode of The Gut Check Project, and we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.